Shut up and sit down. Usually I'm already teed up, ready to go, and I messed that up. <clears throat> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's Thursday night, which means you've got another awesome interview coming right at you. Um, there is some good news I did want to open with uh, regarding what you know we had discussed on Tuesday, and that is Canada has finally started backing down. A lot of the mandates that we've seen uh, has you know started being withdrawn. The situation hasn't gotten any better, but they're starting to back down. So we can talk into that a little bit later on, but I wanted to start with some really good information, really good news, uh, which is, you know, the fight up north is, uh, it's it, the tide is turning in, in good favor. But with that, I've got a very special gentleman who has taken time out of his day to be here before he's got to go sweep the leg Johnny style. Uh, my favorite person, uh, Mr. Will. I love it. What's up, man? So inaccurate, but still cool. But what's going on? I like the shirt. Is that anti-state? No, it's uh, Amazon. That's dope, man. Hell yeah. Amazon has some okay libertarian stuff, honestly. And it's cheap, so you can't beat that, you know. Yeah, like 10, 15 bucks, something like that. So it wasn't bad. Yeah. I got a couple. I got like a Ron Paul shirt from there, and uh, I got one that says "Good ideas don't require force." So hey, if you're if you're a libertarian, there's some Amazon merch out there. Look like a libertarian. Let the world know. <laughs> a, a marine vet, a vegan, and a libertarian walk into a bar. Who tells you first? That's a great question. We need to uh, we need to do some ad reads, don't we? Yeah, let's do the mad ad reads. Uh, those damn ads. First, redemptiontactical.com. And I hope somebody's there to post our link because I am not. But go to Redemption Tactical, buy awesome stuff, buy their, what is it? Tactical face mask? Ballistic yeah. face mask. <clears throat> buy that shit. Yeah, the Miss Kaiser right there with the, with the link drop. What would we do without you, Jenny? Besides not cry every night. Myself to sleep, that is. <laughs> Tag me. Never mind. I'm not even going to talk about it. <laughs> she's going to talk about it now. Whatever it is, yeah, she's going to talk about, about it. About it. Um, okay. Anyway, next ad read. We've got 
Uh, find us on Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Twitter, Anchor, and Spotify. We go live three white, the three whites and neat, uh, three nights a week on uh, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. We upload later to all the other places. Hell yeah! And the Royal Green series is the best book that you've never read. So fix that by going to theroyalgreen.com or amazon.com. You can find it paperback and Kindle. This is Crowned by Gold, book three of the Royal Green series by Jack Casey. Hey, bootleg, we should like try to make it look like our faces are combined. Put half of your face in the book and half out. Weird. It's like it's like Voldemort and Harry Potter. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> the Alaskan Raven, for all you mean needs, go find the Alaskan Raven on Facebook. And James Taller for Kentucky, taller for KY.com, running for state house, people over politics. Go donate to him and volunteer for his campaign. Damn it, this one landed on you. <laughs> I figured he's going to change it to you. Uh, the LP Veterans Caucus, leading libertarians to veteran issues, leading veterans to libertarian solutions. They got some pretty good memes over there, too. So if you're looking for a lull or some some knowledge carpet bombs head on over to the lp veterans conference they got a group as well and a discord so uh you know just join all of it just just join all of it all at once and uh get all that good stuff and speaking of which also (laughs) so so this one is this one is uh the the build crack better bill um, because nothing says America is the greatest country in the world like free crack pipes. It's true. So if if you were wondering why Joe Biden deserves to be uh, president, uh, just remember that crack pipes are now going to be free. Just because they're cheap. The government's just like basically trying to get as many possible votes as they can. And that's a lot cheaper than health care. It's true. All right. Well... Those were great. Uh, we should probably get to the good stuff. Oh, by the way, people, you should join our Discord, too. The Not A Real Libertarian Podcast Discord Network, which is now out. And you can find me, Bootleg, and Ginny, and hopefully you. <laughs> Braxton, Braxton, yeah, Braxton's on there. Carly Rose oh. is on there. Oh, okay, okay. We, uh, we, we're all on there. There's, there's been a few people joining in here and there. You know you both love me. Oh, the book right. is talking again. The Royal Green as a as a Facebook now. That's awesome. I've been I've been yeah. doing. All right. So let's get to the good stuff, which is our guest. But I think since you set this one up, you should introduce her. Well, this individual is running for Congress out of Pennsylvania, and per our discussion before we went live, I can't tell you what district because. She doesn't know what district because the state doesn't know what district she could run in what? because it, it, un, it, it may be Valentine's Day season for, for young couples, but it's gerrymander season for the old white guys across the nation. Uh, so, you know, it, it's that time of the year where you don't know if you live in the county or in the city or if you live in District 1 or District 20. But the Democrats and Republicans will, will set it up to make themselves – Better off. That's the guarantee. We don't know what's going to happen, but we know it'll help them and not us. That's for certain. But with all uh, all do all jokes do aside, 
whatever I'm trying to say uh, is Liz Twilliger. She's she's awesome. I've heard a lot of great things about her, and I'm sure if she's ever heard anything about us, it's awful. So she is a hell of a person for coming on this show. <laughs> As are all of our guests, really saints. You go straight to heaven after this. This is all the charity you'll ever need. Uh, future congresswoman from Pennsylvania, Liz Twilliger. Hey, so does that mean this show kills you? Is that? <laughs> no, no, no. You just you just go to you get your ticket, but you don't have to necessarily go today. You can hold off if you oh, want. Okay, and, and I don't need to lead with like ex- ask about this was a mistake. Like, do you have no. that quote up on your? Okay, no, we don't have <laughs> Maybe we should though. I have the meme. So tell us about this district conflict. I'm glad I missed it pre-show because now I get to hear about it organically. But what the oh, heck? Oh, yeah, because it's fascinating, you know, districts, redistricting. <laughs> it's just fascinating. So Pennsylvania is has lost population, so we're losing a representative. So they have to redistrict. We can't just stick with the old maps. So the congressional redistricting, for all of you who need a bedtime story, in Pennsylvania, redistricting for congressional seats is done by the legislature. They pass it as a bill. It goes to the governor so he can veto it. And they don't have a veto-proof majority, so it goes to the courts. So rather than the Commonwealth Court set a deadline, and the um, Pennsylvania Supreme Court decided that they were going to take over instead. So they've set a hearing date for February 24th for deciding on a map. But they won't so, decide that day, I'm sure. That's fascinating. And so you at least you have a, a time period that hopefully this is the light at the end of the tunnel for you and you can get some clarity. Um, but that's pretty fascinating to me that they that they do it that way. Um, hmm. Yeah. And, hopefully it and works out have, in favor. Do you have any well, like hope in one direction? Yes. I hope that the current map that's in favor gets flushed down the toilet. That is my and my my state legislative district looks like a toilet so we can flush it over here it's yeah. all good so who which party is in charge of your uh, state house so the republicans control the legislature and we have a democratic governor that makes sense makes yeah. yeah so um we'll see what happens the great thing about february 24th is that it's inside the window for when democrats and republicans have to start collecting signatures so they announced yesterday that they're changing the election calendar. They haven't told us what it's going to be, but they're changing it. So we'll see. Wow. They get to make the game. How interesting yeah. is that? And we we enjoy the drama in Pennsylvania. I'm sure. So what made you want to run for this seat, whichever seat it is? <laughs> so in 2020, it was the 12th congressional district. And I ran because I was really irritated with my representative because he um, would not give me a straight answer on anything beyond a party line. And so my whole reason for running is because I think we need representation for people and not for political parties. So I'm running on a reform Congress platform. So I have like all these points for congressional reform. Huh, okay. So anyway, if you'd, like, if you'd like to see those, those points, you can go to Liz Twilliger for Congress.org. You and while you're can. there, hit that slash donate. That's great. And if you want to come have a beer with me, <laughs> you can call. You can sign up for the um, Bluestone Brewery um, challenge, 
and come have a beer with me on I'm looking up the date right now. You would think I would know. You would think you would know. (laughs) What happens if it's like 30 people or 40 people show up and you, are you going to speed date them with beer? Because that's kind of unfair (laughs) to promise everybody they have a beer with you, especially if you're drinking like a quart, you're going to be, you're going to be hammered. And I don't drink. So it's February 23rd (laughs) at the Bluestone Brewery (laughs) in Sarah, Pennsylvania. Come on. You can't promise people beers and not deliver. Hey, you come by, you you come by your own beer. She said, this is capitalism. This is libertarianism. She said you could have a beer with her. She didn't say she'd have a beer with you. You she'll sit there and watch you drink. And I didn't say it was one on one. I mean, come have, you know, room full of people. We'll all have a beer. I don't think that's what mean it means when you say have a beer with me. If somebody asks me to have a beer, we're sitting at a bar yep. discussing our lives and dreams and hopes and despairs, one beer with another. That's I would it. do that. <laughs> I, I do think, best one on one anyway. Way. So, you know, I would totally do that. Um, but yeah, that's my website. That's what, that was the question. That's so, my website. Yeah. Cause I wanted to make story. the name as long as I could. Sorry. That is long, but in your defense, you didn't choose that. And it also I is still did. a shorter version of your name. But we use the hashtag LT4C with the number four, because that's shorter. <laughs> What's that say? That's awesome. Ne- remind me to never drink with Will Doherty. Nah. Oh, Doherty. it's happening someday. It's gonna happen. Is there a backstory there that we need to know about? Um, no, she just doesn't want me to tell her all of my life dreams and despairs over a beer. But it's gonna happen, Jenny. So just prepare yourself. How else are you gonna write the book? I mean, come on. Exactly. <laughs> the the despairs are mostly just a list of mean memes she's made about him or mean <laughs> things she said about him. Yeah. True. People True. telling him he's not a real libertarian, things like that. Yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> on that great segue, how uh how what are your origins with libertarianism? How did you get into the movement? Uh yeah. Everybody asks me that and I swear I say something different every time. We all we all have so. a story. It's a testimony. <laughs> so I became a small L libertarian in high school and I really fell in love with Anne Rand's books and so that kind of sent me on my way. I think that's the most expensive book I ever bought was a copy of, um, I can't remember if it was Atlas Shrugged or Fountainhead. I got it downstairs, like a hundred dollar freaking book. Cause it's like wow. a second edition or something. Yeah. Wow. Stupid college purchase. Cause you know, they're free at the library, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I was a, de- a voting Democrat, most of my political life. And in Pennsylvania, we have a closed primary system. So if you're not registered with one of the two parties, you can't vote in the primary. Hmm. But I decided that I didn't care anymore um, after the Bernie Hillary debacle. The emails kind of pulled the curtain back and said, you know, yes, both sides are all just a charade. And so I've been registered libertarian ever since. Hell yeah. Well, but, that sounds like a good origin story. I like how you describe that, that as being the lowercase L first. And that's a long time ago to have... So when did you actually join the party? You said, Harry, what year? Oh, geez, let's see. Who did I vote for first? I don't even know. A long time ago. <laughs> so right. I've been in and out of like registered to vote libertarian. So now but you consider yourself- I vote kind of- libertarian, but in terms of being registered, because you know, if you want to vote in the primary, you got to be registered with the party. So is that what you are now? Do you still vote in the Republican or Democrat primaries? No. 
no. Oh, no. Okay. Not since, not since Hillary Bernie. So I don't remember when that was, what, 2018? So would you consider yourself a more left-leaning libertarian or kind of do you even feel like you have a direction? I, so they hate it when I say this, but I call myself a progressive libertarian. Um, I hate it already. <laughs> but see, my argument with progressives is that they think that all the social problems need to be solved by government. And that's like the only way. That's the argument I'm always having. So, but my, my point is we want the same end. Like we want social justice. We yeah. just don't think the government's going to give it to us. Exactly. So that's what I mean by progressive. Like, I believe in climate change and global warming, but I don't think the answer is going to come from the government. Not unless you I'm, like VA medicine, then, you know, it's. I'm, I might be a progressive. I might be a progressive libertarian. I think you've just convinced me. Yeah. Which goes over really well in my extremely red district that if they rewrite it the way they want to, won't be so red anymore, but. We'll so that won't help you. You, you. Are you worried about that? You think it'll if it's more blue, it'll hurt you? Well, so if it's red, if it's as red, so it's 70-30 right now. Hmm. The last two elections, the Republican won 70-30. And they spent the Democrats spent like I this is not true, but they spent like a hundred a hundred thousand dollars or you know, in one election. And then the last election, this is true. They spent like 50 or $60,000. They got the same result. They're getting 30% of the vote. That's what they're getting. So if it stays the same demographic split that we have now, I'm trying to make an appeal to the Democrats that they shouldn't run anybody. They should back me because at least they get some of what they want because they're not going to win. Seriously. <laughs> and I'm a small government person, you know, I can, I can talk to Republicans. Seriously, you yeah. would, that would be good common ground. Yeah, that's a better, that's better chances. You'd have better chances than anybody else would. So that's what I mean by progressive libertarian. But I like to say that because it opens the conversation because libertarians are like, what do you mean you're progressive? And progressives are like, what do you mean you're progressive? So it, it has bad connotations with it. it does. So, you know, the left wants to change the definition of everything. So we should just change them all right back. Well, they do. And, you know, Republicans are just as bad taking over words from people. So we need to True. reclaim, you know, because you're not a patriot really... unless you're like a racist and, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff that. Seriously. But, you know, seriously. Maybe we should uh, not consider that so one sided and realize that we all are kind of vying for control of the culture and, and definitions of things at all times. We have to reclaim our vocabulary. And you're right to say mm -hmm. words. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So what are the uh, what are the most important things to you on your list of agenda items or, or points that you're running on? So the biggest thing to me is to be representing people. So going out there, interacting with the people that you supposedly are representing and listening to what they have to say, even if you don't agree with them. Right. You know, because maybe they see things from a perspective that I haven't looked at it from before. And maybe I should think about that. And I'm not always right. So. No. That's a big thing to me. Our current representative is very much a puppet of the Republican Party and cannot give you an explanation for votes beyond, you know, that it's a party line vote. He voted to continue the um, authorization for the Iraq war. Wow. Yeah. With And can't give a cogent explanation for why, because sure. there isn't good reason can, right. to continue that authorization. So that kind of thing. So that's one thing. 
The other thing that I'm struggling with, um, that I think we all are struggling with, are these ginormous legislative packages that nobody knows what's in them. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm on a, I get up on a soapbox about that quite a bit. I think we Omnibus need clear, yes, we need clear and concise legislation on a single issue so people can be engaged on the topic. Exactly. And so that you know what the heck you're voting for before you vote for it. Exactly. Yeah. Who's that senator that's based out of Kentucky? He's a Democrat that typically uh, he he's and he, it's weird because he's he aligns with Republicans sometimes, but he aligns with Democrats sometimes. I'm trying to remember his name. Are you talking about uh, Manchin? Yes, Joe Manchin. He because they yeah. recently drug him through the coals because he yeah. uh, opposed that Build Back Better bill. Yeah. Because he said, "I can't tell my constituents." why we should do this so i can't vote for it that How dare he represent his people exactly single-handedly the best answer i've ever heard to anything probably in the last 200 years of a u.s yeah. politician because i mean if you if you can't if you can't look someone in the eye and tell them why i'm waste like what i'm spending and i, I call it waste i mean it's wasted spending but if you can't explain to them why you're wasting their their money then you should, probably shouldn't vote for it. And it, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And there's stupid things hidden in those bills that they don't even know are in there. The infrastructure bill had that thing in there about the auto manufacturers are going to put in passive driver monitoring. Oh, right. That's my favorite thing. Um, you know, so that before you've gone drunk driving, you will be monitored to make sure that you're not drunk. Um, already my car tells me when I need to take a break, which is probably the same thing that they'll use, but they, who knew that was in there really when they voted for that? Come on. Only the lobbyists who put it in there. Right. And their puppet. Yeah. And then the power to develop this behemoth thing that it'll probably become is given Mm -hmm. to bureaucrats because it says, you know, the regulations will be written by. And so Congress is abdicate, abdicating, abdicating, ab- giving away their authority to bureaucrats to Absolutely. go write some regulations because that always goes well. Something I always kind of talk about whenever I'm pushing for localism and just the idea of having power, you know, more local to your community and stuff. Absolutely. That it's like putting less eggs in one basket. So you put all your eggs in one basket. You have these giant bills. You have all, everything in D.C. It's so easy for corporations or anybody to buy it, corrupt it. You know, we're relying on like basically one. Um, you know, for lack of better words, nuclear reactor for the entire country versus right. having this, a system, you know, local to everybody where it can't be corrupted. You know, no, right. nobody can spend big pharma can't spend money buying every single county in this country. They don't have the money for that. And how are they going to do it? So, well, the COVID, the COVID restrictions, you know, are a great example of that, because when we had our COVID lockdown with our mandates, you know, early on, Governor Wolf, it was blanket. It was, everything was the same for the whole state. Our numbers in Bradford County, like we're so rural. Like we have like this many, you know, Philadelphia maybe is huge. Pittsburgh has huge numbers. Our numbers were minuscule. And so people are being told they have to follow the same mandates as places where they had high numbers. So then our numbers go up and people are like, we're not doing that. What's wrong with you? You know, they just undermine themselves. One size doesn't fit all. No community is the same. And I will say, I give LPPA tons of props because a lot of people don't know this, but LPPA spent a lot of money paying for a billboard outside of the state house, basically um, 
Well, I can't remember what it said, but it was basically a giant fuck you that they had nicely worded and done outside of the Pennsylvania State House. It was um, before the election in 2020. It was our it was it was a campaign billboard. Come on, man. But it was. Yeah, it was right there where they all drive into town. Yeah, it had our state slate of candidates on it. And essentially. Yeah, it was. I thought y'all had an anti-mandate one as well outside the well, state there, house. There probably was. Yeah. I left the LPPA board um, happily not long ago. So I'm still involved with the party. I'm just not. I was our county board rep and I'm just not anymore. Nobody needs six hours, eight hours of people arguing over stupid bureaucratic garbage. Um. <laughs> That's why we're libertarians. You know, that's the point of it all. Yeah. So I'm my affiliate chair now, but I'm not the board rep. <laughs> wait, wait, you're having an affiliate chair, but not. So the board, does the board meet with the state affiliate? So the, um, in Pennsylvania, we have the board of directors and our, our state party is run by all the county affiliates have wow. a representative to that board. It's ridiculous. Like the number of people on the board, which is why the meetings are so long. Um, so each county or each affiliate, because we have a few multi-county affiliates, um, elect their own representative to the board. So cool. I'm the affiliate chair, but I don't have to go to the board meetings because we have a board rep for our party who is awesome. Thank you, Greg Perry, um, saving me from having to go to those meetings. So. Wow. So that's really cool. We do it completely differently. We basically have a state party set up as its own institution. And then we set up counties. But those counties have no authority over state party anything. They're just, yeah, they we're bottom up. We're that's bottom cool. up. That's how yeah. it probably should be, honestly. But it's nice to have a central kind of marketing point for the whole state. You know what I mean? Have everybody kind of focused on the same thing. But, yeah, um, it's it's unruly with the number of people that are on the board because each county yeah. literally has a rep. So I bet that's how many counties do they have? I think there's 36 people on the board right now or some number like that. Forget that. Hey, Will, did be, you just... somebody's going to hit me for not knowing how many counties are in Pennsylvania. Hey, Google. <laughs> hey, hey, Will, did you just advocate for centralized libertarian government in Oklahoma? He did, didn't he? <laughs> I did. I did. I, uh, we are a private organization. If we would like to be centralized, so be it. The Libertarian Party Veterans Caucus is also centralized. We made it a non-democracy intentionally. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm for it. Freedom is having choice. It's your choice, man. Do what you want. Exactly. It's voluntary. <laughs> oh, As my, um, my committee members are probably like messaging me frantically how many counties are in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> you have good committee members then. Keep them around. <laughs> Still, I'm surprised right? that Ryan that has a comment. Ridiculous, though. I would divide it up into like multiple state parties if I had that organizational structure. But I would I would divide it into regions, actually. That's just terrible. Because we have oh. pretty long meetings with nine people on our XCOM. So there's 67 counties in Pennsylvania. Wow. <laughs> God bless. That's a big So board. we we do have regions. We have three regional vice chairs who also have a vote on on the board. So oh, you know. Okay. <laughs> to represent the collective a little bit. Crazy. Yeah, here in uh, LPTN, we have 13 members of the board. Our meetings <clears throat> have been going about two hours a meeting, and a lot of people have been complaining about that. So I am very thankful that our meetings are not six to seven hours because uh, 
some of us work. Right. <laughs> and I've got shit to do at 4 30 yeah. in the morning. <laughs> That's know, hard right? when you're involved though. It really is hard to like have a life and a schedule and like still do everything, you know, but you have to do well, it. You know, it's hard because we're libertarians and everybody has their own point of view and their own way that they think things should be done. And so it it makes things makes things hard sometimes. And interesting at least. And interesting. Yeah. It's definitely so interesting. Sometimes it's scary. It's definitely interesting. I think it just makes sense that libertarian operations have more gridlock than anything else because we care so much more about not doing the wrong thing. So before yes. we take a step, we're going to check, we're going to double check, we're going to measure, we're going to make sure that we're not stepping on anybody's toes or doing anything wrong. And I, as much as I hate our operations and how slow we are, I appreciate it because tyrants are very efficient. So I would rather have an inefficient freedom. I had a... Um an interviewer asked me in the 2020 race she from the public television network she wants to know why if i'm a libertarian a libertarian am i running for a legislative office because she thought libertarians don't believe in laws <laughs> like interesting some of us do not yeah yeah but but we really like to yeah. follow them yeah at least like well it depends on the law Depends, especially right. especially tax laws. We love those, uh, you know, because somebody's got to build the roads, right? Yeah, yeah. I tell you so, what, we're good at following laws that restrict power, yeah. not individuals. If a law is trying to stop you from taking over an organization, we we obey that, like the Constitution or something. So, a friend of mine, Sally Combs, got elected to be mayor of Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania. It's a town, and not a not a tiny town well, from my standard in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and uh, so the joke was, so now you're going to abolish roads, right? That's that's what comes first day in office. Of course. Of course. What? So I didn't hear about that. That's awesome. A mayor in Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania, huh? How, yeah, which is nowhere near Jersey or the shore, just in case. <laughs> oh, okay. Mike well, Owen can tell you all about it. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed, but still interesting. Oh, but it's on the shore of a, a river. Okay, that counts too. Yes. Apparently, the people that settled that side of the river were from New Jersey. Oh, okay. That's fair. I respect that. It's just confusing. But it's a beautiful town huh. <laughs> with a really good brewery. Is that where well, you're going least... for, your, for your fake beers with people? No. So we had a, um, in September, I had a event called Perspectives on Freedom. And it was supposed to bring people from all parties together. And it was a discussion-based thing. So we had all these topics and you sit down, you have a conversation about it. Um, and it was really fun. We had some great people show up. However, it was a campaign event for me. So the only people that came to participate as speakers were libertarians. The ones from other parties that were supposed to show didn't. Wow. And I kind of think maybe they realized at the last minute that it was a, they were supporting my campaign. Good job. Um, though. <laughs> great job. But it was great. It was a good time. But that was in Jersey Shore at Ballbird's Brewery. Brewery. I have not been drinking, which, uh, and I'm a speech therapist who can't talk, which uh, was uh, is a really nice place. So if you get an opportunity. Well, God bless you. A speech therapist definitely saved me from a lot of beatings and probably <laughs> faces in lockers. So, no, just kidding. But speech therapists are awesome. Good job. So, I had speech therapy when I was in school and I was never going to be a speech therapist because I hated it. And here I am. 
it can be difficult in the moment. I didn't like it either, but I, I appreciate it now. Yeah, see, we don't, we don't, uh, like my kid ended up having speech therapy. Um, I probably needed it, but I just moved to the South where I just sound smarter than everyone else in the room. I mean, I sound as dumb, but I, at least I say the right words. What did you, what did you, what could you say incorrectly? What was your problem, your impediment? I couldn't, I couldn't pronounce my R's. So Dang. when I was growing up, I was called, my nickname was Betsy. It wasn't Liz, it was Betsy. And I was a point guard on the basketball team. So, you know, I would slap the ball and I would say, break, except I would say, Boyke, which I didn't know until they started calling me Boyke and Betsy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's mean. I was I was an R person too. All the W's. <laughs> yeah, you can't, Vinny. Yeah, don't make fun of me. Uh, but yeah, no, but like, did that have something you couldn't say whenever you were a kid, or were you just always a Southern person and that, that's your speech impediment? That's I agree. That's I think it. Southern accents are impediments as well. Yeah, it when see, I'll, I'll tell this story. You'll love this story. So most of my childhood, I spent overseas and, you know, a lot of the people that they encounter are from oil companies or from like people from major cities who kind of have what they call a neutral accent. Um, but most of them hadn't encountered Southerners. So for the longest time, I thought like I was like mentally retarded or something because they would have me repeat stuff five or six times. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And eventually someone told me, they were like, they just like your, cause when I was younger, it was a lot stronger. And so they said, Oh, they just really like your accent. They want you to keep saying stuff <laughs> like, it, like Damascus, Syria was like basically me repeating things seven or eight times. And they were like, Oh, we just really like your accent. I was like, this is crap, man. I thought I was like disabled and like retarded and stuff. I was like, this is, this is awful. I had a friend in basic who was from Louisiana. We did the same thing. We'd always ask him to say stuff over and over. Like, so, so it's like velvet. Yeah, basically. I love my job now. Cause I work, um, I'm in birth to three. So early intervention. So I'm in people's homes working with like infants and young children and the families. So, wow. So, infants. so how do you. Yeah. Infant. I see, I see the wheels turning. I see the question coming. <laughs> what the heck do you do with yeah. an infant? Yeah. So speech therapists do feeding therapy too. So um, I teach, I work with kids who can't eat, need help. I help moms to feed the kids. I've done, my favorite is doing breastfeeding support. Not my favorite thing. Um, <laughs> I saw that in a movie once though. Yeah. Or a TV show where the baby wouldn't like breastfeed. Oh, it was on Shameless. The baby okay. wouldn't latch on or something. And then you had a therapist come and like help kind of coach them through it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, Pennsylvania, we use a coaching model for, for intervention, which is my favorite because then we're teaching the parents how to help their child instead of like, here, I'm going to fix your kid for you. Yeah. Which is obnoxious and not true. So is it like kind of a defect, not a defect, but is it, is there something like, quote unquote, wrong with the child? Is it come from the child? So it depends on the situation. A lot of the kids that I see now are um, preemies. So, I mean, we are saving babies at such a young age, like early, early gestation. Really? And those kids have like breathing issues. They have neurological, like things that 
a lot of things that they'll outgrow, but early on, it's really a struggle for them. Yeah. And some of the kids have things they won't outgrow, but a lot of times it's just helping the parents to be able to help their kids along. <laughs> that is really heartbreaking though, that as Sorry, we get, you know, better technology, we can keep kids alive earlier. It's also going to be more people that are alive with, you know, disabilities and, and those kind of um, things. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Which is not, nothing wrong with it. Just it's going to be more, more responsibility and uh, you know, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to adjust. You'll like, well, go ahead. Yeah, I was, was going to say, you'll like this. So my kid, uh, the one that went through speech therapy, uh, he's having an issue saying crayons correctly in school because they judge based on how you say words in school. And he keeps saying crowns. Well, I'm like, to be fair, everyone around him says crowns, except for me and my wife. But like the, right. his grandparents, everyone in fucking town, everyone yep. not in town. Everyone says crown, so he thinks that's the right way to say it. Yep. And so he's yeah. being he's being penalized in school because he's saying it to what everyone else. That's a debate. You can't blame but, him for that. That's a legit that's like a pineapple pizza thing. Like people debate that to the death. No. But you know, that's that's like a serious thing in, in speech therapy. We are not allowed to correct like things that are um familial. Like I can't correct an accent as like sure. there are therapists who do accent reduction therapy. Wow. But with consenting adults, like that's sure. like for an actor who wants to be able to be yes. his English to be better or whatever, more True. understandable. But um, it was a big deal. Like in I grew up outside of Corning, New York, and in Salamanca, New York is where the Seneca Reservation is. And I have a friend who grew up with speech therapy because there were sounds that were not in their native language wow. that are in English and he couldn't say them. And so he was in speech therapy trying to make him speak English because this was in the day when they weren't allowed to speak their language either. So that was a thing. But like, that's a big taboo now. Like we can't touch, you don't touch somebody's accent. Yeah. Oh, so tell your son, say it the way your family says it and tell that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Damn right though. But dang, that's really interesting. I hadn't ever thought about that, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So when he told me culture. that story, it's, it's like, wow. Yeah, I've I've actually really contemplated, very seriously contemplated, uh, going through some kind of speech coaching to lose my accent. And I've had people, I've had people on both sides of the argument say, "Do it, don't do it, whatever." Um, if I ever wanted to run for a public office in the South, it you have to have the accent. There's no way that you win without it, unless you're like a like a major city. Um, but uh, yeah, because it is an issue. Like as soon as you go anywhere, that's not like the Southern accent isn't prominent and you start speaking, you could be talking about uh wormhole gestation with, uh, with string theory. And they'll think you're an idiot because you know, the Southern kind of, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where you, you could be saying the most intellectual thing in the room and everyone thinks you're an idiot because you're from the South. So yeah. If Albert Einstein was from Alabama, none of us would have listened to him. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, imagine being uh Stephen Hawking, Imagine having that kind of genius stuck in your brain and having to say it, you know, one sound at a time in a room full of professors. So I went to college. I got, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What if his computer was made in Alabama and it said, (laughs) so bad. What if if Hawkins computer had a Southern accent? Would he still be as famous as he is today? Doubt it. Probably not. 
It when I was in monotone computer accent. Right. When I was in college, I went to Ball State in uh, Muncie, Indiana for my bachelor's oh. degree. And uh, they have a big communications media um, program there, you know. And so part of the speech pathology program was helping the people in the communications and media be, lose their accent because you were supposed to have that Midwest, quote unquote, Midwest accent, you know, for media. You're not supposed to have a regional dialect. At least that was that was the 90s. So, you know, early 90s. Now I'm dating myself. Sorry about that. Are you uh, where are you from originally? So I grew up a lot of places, um, but most of my time was outside of Corning, New York, which is a little town in uh, the southern tier in the state, not the city. Okay. I grew up on a goat farm. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. Little time in Kentucky, little time in England, little time in here, there, and everywhere. But what made you choose Ball State? Um, because I wanted to be a teacher of the hearing impaired, and they had a really good program. How cool. I figured I could learn to sign. I could learn sign language anywhere, but I had no idea like how you would ever teach somebody who couldn't hear how to talk. Right. Like, that was like rocket science to me. So that's why I went there. And then I ended up not doing that, but that's okay. <laughs> Hi, Sally. Sally and <laughs> Sally. Sally is the mayor of Jersey Shore. Really? That's yes. Awesome. We have a famous mayor, libertarian mayor in our midst. That's all. Sally, when are you going to be on Not a Real Libertarian? You're next. Get ready. We'll be reaching <laughs> After out. After convention. That probably, huh? <laughs> she's on our convention committee, so Ooh. she's kind of pulling her hair out right now. I bet. Well, for the audio listeners, it, Sally Ann says, Liz is a wonderful candidate. She does so much for her neighbors, and we are lucky to have her. So it's a very heartwarming I have a huge part of my campaign is um, community solutions because, you know, as libertarians, it's all about voluntarism, you know, doing things for people, for our neighbors and not looking to the government for help. So we do a lot in the campaign to try to put that into action. So that's probably what she's referring to. Right now we have a food drive going on and we have a sleep out for the homeless, which anybody can participate in the virtual version of it coming up on the 26th of February. That's you can sleep awesome. out in your living room. It just has to be not in your bed. That's we have to do more things like that. We have to do more of that. So good for you for making that kind of your, you know, your corner of this movement and, and championing that. Um, but like, I got to roll pretty soon. So I got, I got to go sweep some legs. Do you, uh, you want to wrap up or you guys have some stuff to talk about? Oh, well, I figure we could probably finish up the whole hour and then uh, call it a night. Got anything you would like to plug, Liz, or anything that we didn't hit on you want to touch? Now, we talked about Reform Congress. That's the biggest thing. And we talked about voluntary action. And we didn't talk about mandates and vaccines, so that's all right. <laughs> we could spend some time talking about the Canadian uh, protest that you were saying at the top of the hour is making some headway. And supposedly coming to America at some point, right? Yeah, you know, I am... Uh, I was invited to participate in that. And some of the groups that are involved with that, it's like really hard to like jump in, you know, yeah. as a libertarian, I'm like, I'm anti-mandate. Absolutely. But some of the people that are involved with that stuff is, it makes it hard to just jump in. That's a, that's but a struggle I, we have period in, yeah. in the movement. It's tough to work with people, but not associate with them. And you have to be careful about that. Right on. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I absolutely support that message. I can't. But yeah, so. <laughs> Got your mouth full. Yeah. Um, so James Toller, who was on Tuesday night, uh, I very rarely do guests on Tuesday night, but his what he was talking about was um, the organizational movement uh, to do pretty much the same thing that Canada's doing, uh, where they would start in two spots in California, drive all the way east and, until they hit the 490, uh, the 495 bypass, the what they call the DC Beltway. Right. And shut down the 495 and basically uh, block DC off from the rest of the world. Um, and I'm Can all that about just that. Can that be like a, a perpetual thing? Can that like... <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Like Good what was question. that escape from New York? Except we'll like shift it. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry I gotta yeah. head out, guys. But thank you, Liz, for being on. Seriously, bootleg nice I'll meet you in a week, my brother. Thank you, guys. All right, man. I'll see you later. Yeah, how many trucks did he say it took to back up that whole thing? Do you remember? I can't remember. It was like sixteen hundred, I think. I remember listening to him going, "Really? Is that all?" <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh... Please don't block DC off. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So it. I've been. No, we need to infiltrate it. We don't need to block it off. We need to take it back. Take it back for the people. He said, I need weed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Virginia, it's legal in Virginia. There's you can... no other source. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. But. Uh, Wait, who in DC is growing good weed? What's happening here? I don't know that it's legal in D.C. because D.C. is still okay. technically not a state. Um, right. Talk about but, talk about not being represented. Anyway. But uh, I, I've, I'm one of those people who's I'm a little more I have a little more violent tendencies against the government. Like they're violent towards us. Why shouldn't we reciprocate? But choosing a more peaceful method uh, is typically preferred. Uh, starting off, you know, showing that we can do things organized that gets that makes a large splash in a little pond and that can, can stay improve. peaceful, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's um, the one because, thing about the the truck protest is that it's peace. It's a peaceful protest. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you want to prove that we're different than the people we're trying to get rid of, you can't be the same people that. Right. It's 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 like this. Uh, I don't know for anyone who's ever read the, the, the Hunger Game books or have watched the movies, but essentially at the end, which is a spoiler for the entire series, the the, the person they were going to replace the dictator with would have been the same dictator, just different words. Right. You can't do that. You have to be different. That's why I think it should be peaceful. But we we I've been I've been advocating for some kind of rebellion. It it can be tea in the harbor kind of stuff right like like just saying we can make it harder on ourselves but we're gonna make damn sure it's gonna be harder for you as well right well you know that's why i feel like we really need to get people engaged with the political process and or not necessarily maybe not the process but the issues and get out there and vote and vote for who they believe in and not drink this kool-aid of you have to vote for blue team or red team because if we're gonna take back the government and make it a government of the people that is a government for us, by us, 
and not by the, this political establishment, then we need people to go out there and vote for who they really want to see in office and not just vote because they're afraid that the other team is going to win. Sorry, yeah. No, yeah, I get it. Like, like I've talked to a lot of Democrats who recently and asked them, what do you like about Biden? And they said, well, he just wasn't Trump. That um, To me, that's not a good answer. Right. Like, if your reason for Trump was you didn't like Obama or you didn't like Democrats, that's that's a shit answer also. It, right. Vote for something or someone, not against something or someone. Right. Vote for what you believe in. Don't vote out of fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, yeah. which is why I think we need term limits. And I mean, I get some flack for that in libertarian circles because, yeah, I know you should be able to vote for whoever you want to vote for. But the way the system is stacked right now, the power of incumbency, people just develop all this personal power in Congress. And there's no they're never held accountable because they just keep buying their seat. And if there's term limits, at least we can get some different perspectives. We might get 27 different Democrats or, you know, 27 different Republicans, but at least it's different voices. Yeah. And, and it's like, get third parties in there. But. It's like when Washington stepped down after a second term, a lot of presidents, you know, kind of would like, Hey, this is the standard we're setting. We shouldn't be in there too long. When, when you're a congressperson and you're getting these briefings, and this is another hot uh, topic thing right now too, is insider trading uh, as elected yeah. officials. When when Nancy Pelosi went on national TV and said, "Oh well, that's but that's how I make my livelihood. Why would I not? Why should I not be allowed to do it? It's not illegal." Yeah. Well, <laughs> if if you worked for a company and did that, it would be illegal. Yeah. Well, did you hear she came out today and said that she's in favor of restricting it now, but she wants to extend it to to all government, you know, to, to the Supreme Court and to all government. I don't hope she doesn't mean employees, but yeah. So now she's in favor of it, but she was against it the other day. Well, but now she sees that how it's turned on her and everyone kind of looks at her like she's some evil asshole. But I mean, they've been, look, they've been looking at her like that for years, but she made her money. So now she can be against it. But yeah. the the other thing that term limits would break apart is that um, the system of my brain has left me like the longer that you're in office, the more power you have and you get seats on committees and you get this, that and the other. But if everybody's getting turned over every six years or however often, um, you know, then you lose that you lose that power of being in office so long and all of our representatives become equal. So your representative who's been in office for 20 years has more power than my newbie. But yeah, you lose that good old boy system. Yeah. You got to pay your dues and you got to you got to vote the way I tell you if you want yeah. this stuff and that stuff. And now it all is like, yeah. Yeah. So here's always a good follow up question to that, because a lot of people don't ask this. And so a lot of people agree with term limits, Democrats, Republicans, libertarians. A lot of people kind of agree with that. The real question is, is what do you want to see term limits look like for the House and the Senate? Yeah, so I've heard different things. I've heard because the Senate, I've heard six years as term for both. So that would be three terms in the House. But I said when I was running in 2020 that two terms, two terms and I'd be done. And so that's four years. But I mean, I don't care as long as there's a limit on it. And we can get rid of all this garbage that goes along with it being a career, you know, you don't need a retirement plan 
from Congress because it's not your life's work. This is something you're going to go serve your neighbors and go back to your job. I like my job. I'll come back to my job. I don't need a retirement plan from Congress. You know, you can buy your health, go buy your health insurance on the freaking health exchange like I do and enjoy looking at $1,400 a month freaking premiums and tell us that you can't fix that or get out of the way <laughs> so the market can fix that. That's ridiculous. So anyway. I think one good thing, too, that would really benefit, uh, benefit a lot of people is if we set uh, staffing budgets, right? So if we said you can't have more than X amount of people working on your staff in, in Congress, because all of that's paid for by the taxpayers. That's not coming out of their pockets. Right. We pay for their staff. We pay for their printers, their chairs, their office furniture. They, When you get into office, you get all new office furniture that you design or whatever. Yeah. All this crap that we're paying for that we don't need to. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It is. And, and then you have this huge staff that also is treated like crap well, and doesn't have the protections that other employees have in other jobs. And so that was a big thing recently was whether or not they should be able to unionize and all of that stuff. So, yeah. The other thing I think sh uh, shrinking the staff size down would do is you wouldn't have 30 people cranking out an omnibus bill. Uh, it would kind of force them to do more of the legwork themselves. So if they want that four hundred or that hundred and twenty thousand dollar paycheck a year, uh, you have to kind of earn it yourself and not just go on CNN and Fox News and say the stuff that they want to hear you say. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is, is if they do crank out that huge bill, they won't have twenty interns to take sections of it to read so that they can vote on it and pretend they know what's in it, because nobody can read you know, that many pages in a night. Cause that's almost literally what the turnaround is. I think it was Obama that said that they would put the bills up online for people to read for X amount of time before they were voted on. And that never happened. I think that was a, a dream. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the, we have to pass it to see what's in it. Bullshit. Yeah. Vote on it first and then we'll tell you what's in there. Don't think so. He says, if I was in Congress, I'd pay bootleg 50K a year to answer phones at an elementary school desk from 1983. Oh, come on. I got a two by four folding table he could sit at. <laughs> you don't have I to be spending a... money on vintage furniture. <laughs> oh, I don't even get that reference. I get like answering the the. I don't know. I don't get that. Maybe maybe I'm dumb. I don't know. I don't get it, though. He's just wanting to make you sit at old furniture and not give you new stuff. Um, oh, elementary school desk from 1983. I'm tracking. Are you caught up now? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. So anyway, Southerners aren't stupid. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm a great example. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, George Bush made us all look great. It was awesome. Uh, thank God for him, uh, Junior. Yeah. Right. The, the scary. mission accomplished with, we yeah. need to spend another five years in Iraq. Well, what what mission's accomplished? What? <laughs> The mission where I get to be on a big boat with banner over my head and balloons. 
that that mission that's accomplished. <laughs> oh God, it's this is why election. that's the mission that was accomplished. That's that's why we need free crack pipes. It makes it, all of it starts making I, more sense when you smoke crack. Okay, so I, I have to admit, I will admit on your show, I have never smoked crack. Can you like <laughs> is is like sharing a crack pipe like dangerous? Why are we like? Why is giving away crack pipes helpful? Like, don't it's it's not needles. It's it's right. It's, I mean, I assume it's like sharing a bowl that you smoke weed out of. If I that's the thing, people still do. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's 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 the real worry. There is you. You're not. You, you shouldn't share a crack pipe because you might catch COVID. Not because you sh- probably shouldn't smoke crack, but we don't want you getting COVID. That's the real health threat there. Right. <laughs> oh god, that's gonna be a meme. Oh shit. I'm oh, I had <laughs> I have asthma and I get like chronic bronchitis. I had bronchitis early in the pandemic and uh I could not get an antibiotic until I tested negative for COVID. I'm like, are you kidding me? I have bronchitis, so I had to wait, let my infection get worse before I could get on an antibiotic. I'm like, thank you for letting me miss extra work. Because I don't need to get paid. That's all. And I'd like to be sicker to prove before I prove that it's not COVID. Everything is not COVID. I'm sorry. Not so. Yeah, it's. I. Uh, we we have a guy who who at work recently cut the top part of his middle finger off, and uh, somebody, not even thinking about it, the customer said, "Hey, man, what what happened to your finger?" And I said, oh, COVID, man, it's brutal these days. <laughs> the dude looked at me like, what? Like, he, like, cause I have, uh, well, I was an MP in the army. I, I can, I can do that straight up. Just, just, yeah, it was COVID. And dude never missed to be like, oh my God, really? The, the service manager started dying laughing. He was hee haw laughing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, so having these politicians and stuff go on the major networks now and talk about how we need to learn to live with COVID and that it's always going to be with us. And I'm just like, and, and that, you know, people need to be responsible and make their own decisions. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Good point. Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's almost like mid uh, midterms are coming up and uh, they're, they're changing their policy because yep. they don't want to happen to them what happened in Virginia. Yeah. So. so we had that. We had that in a microcosm here in Bradford County. So we had a school board meeting um, like the week before the election in 2021. We had municipal elections. So, you know, school board was on the ballot. And we had a local school board meeting where there was a mask mandate and people were at the meeting without masks. Nobody said anything, right? Somebody gets up to speak during the public comment section and doesn't have a mask on. The superintendent or whoever is in charge of the meeting, asked, it wasn't the superintendent, I apologize, the chairman of the school board asked him to put a mask on. He refused. They shut down the meeting. No public comment. That was it. There was outrage. People were so upset about the whole thing. Um, a fellow libertarian in our county ran a write-in campaign against the chairman of the school board. Won a write-in campaign against him. It was a week later, like they, he and his wife, like organized like that, but everybody was so angry. Like they didn't care. He was a libertarian. 
It had nothing to do with libertarian. It was all about the mandates. I was like, all right, we're done with this garbage. And it was amazing that he won a right in in a contested race against like just just crazy. But it's that same thing you were talking about. This is Virginia. It's but on a smaller scale here. Yeah, I mean, it is funny how in the course of a week, everything flipped on a dime and we're now seeing, well, you know, maybe these mandates aren't a great thing. It, it's, you know, it, it's it's just COVID, right? Uh, where the last two years it's been like, you know, George Orwellian and yeah. the like the level of restrictions they're trying to put on people. Like you step outside of your house without a mask, we're throwing you in a cage. Yeah, my favorite was like the people that were like the dad that was at the park with his kid and there was nobody else there except the cop that was giving him a hard time for not wearing a mask. <laughs> it's like, it's me and my kid. But I mean, I get some of it. Okay. Like they didn't know how bad it was going to be, but come on, like a little common sense would be nice. And if they had their public health messaging, not be so freaking conflicted people might have agreed and we wouldn't have needed the mandates. And I don't still don't think we needed the mandates, but um, the messaging was so conflict. It was so terribly handled, but you know, Omicron is not as bad. It's, it's milder. Yeah. It's uh, well, what's funny is a lot of the stuff that we've said for a long time that the natural immunity, like the natural exposure is it lasts longer. It's more effective because your body is designed to handle that. And it's not built for everyone. Like, not everyone should catch COVID, right? Like, I've got it, or I've had it, my wife's had it, my right. kids have had it. Yeah. We're better off. But my 70-something-year-old my grandparents with heart conditions and breathing problems right. probably shouldn't get it. Right. And you don't know before you got it, you know, how you were going to mm -hmm. react. Um, I have a friend whose husband died of COVID. He was 38. He was a healthy, athletic guy. Um, he was being life flighted from our local hospital because I live in the middle of nowhere to a more major medical center. And he had a heart attack, but it was COVID that caused it. But you don't know. But you don't know that about the flu either or about chicken pox or, you know, I mean, you don't know when you get in your car to drive somewhere. You know what's going to happen. We take risks all the time. And if people have information from a trusted source that's coherent information that they can trust they can make intelligent decisions and consistent is the big thing consistent would be nice and if you don't know like if the information is changing because we're learning more then say that you know yes we said this last week because that's what we knew then now we know this because of this and so this is how it is now but everybody's so worried about covering their butts that you know, they can never be wrong. Sorry. And yeah, I mean, I, I, with my degree program, I took a lot of science courses. It's a bachelor's in science. So you take science and they say right. the first thing about science is science is never finite. Like even, right. even our understanding of math is not finite because some, something someday could actually change how we look at math. Right. So that's just, it's, yeah, I mean, coming out on, on public television and saying that I am the science or trust the science or the science yeah. is settled, that that throws off all kinds of red flags because it's no longer about actual science. It's about you saying 
just listen to me because you're going to do what I tell you. You need to listen to me. Yeah. 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 I mean, so I am absolutely against the mandates. I think that people should get vaccinated because I think that that's the smart thing to do. But I also think that people should make their own decision. And I definitely don't think government should be making you get vaccinated or coercing you into a vaccine, which is also making you do it for those who don't know what coerce means. And there are some government officials who don't know what coerce means. Unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's, I, I'm a big, so there's a lot of people I know that are like diehard, like we should not allow people to get vaccines. I'm, I'm not on that train. Like I said, my, my grandparents are vaccinated. I have no problem with it. They, at one point in time, were like, oh, you need to get it for your safety, for your health. And I'm like, mm, do I really? And we've had conversations and they're like, you know what? Right. That's, that's right. Like people should make the decision. My grandmother, so I'll tell this story. Yeah. She was around when the swine flu, the back in the seventies was going around. Mm-hmm. She was a hospital worker. She, she worked in an ER as a nurse and they had a, a vaccine that come out and they were trying to ramrod it through, get people vaccinated and all this stuff. She got, she got vaccinated with that swine flu vaccine. And then like a week later they said, yeah, that, that, that's no longer on the market. It's no longer a viable option. And they kind of swept it under the rug and no one's known about it because it was so quick to the market. And then they pulled it. Apparently there was some major side effects that nobody initially cared about. And then people started dropping dead and they were like, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I am, I'm against mandates that say you have to do things, but I'm also against mandates that say you can't. I think that you should be able to choose, (laughs) you know, get vaccinated. Don't get vaccinated. I don't care. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Don't give me crap. If I'm wearing a mask, I don't care if you choose to wear a mask or not. Sometimes I wear one. Sometimes I don't. It depends on the situation. Yeah. I work with medically fragile kids. I wear a mask in their house. I have a cold. I'm not giving this to a child who can go to the hospital because they got a cold. So. It's like I've got a I've got a friend who uh, his kids immunocompromised and he's like, hey, whenever you come over, if you don't mind, just wear a mask. He was, he's yeah. real civil about it. I, yeah, I can respond absolutely. to that. Yeah. But if you're gonna be like, you're gonna fucking kill someone, wear a fucking mask. I'm I'm not wearing it. I promise you, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> right. Well, and that's that's what it's all about, right? It's about respect for each other and respecting each other's right to make their own choice. And if if like your friend is going to tell you why he would like you to wear a mask. And that's going to inform your decision. So you can decide if you're going to be an ass or if you're going to be a nice friend and, you know, wear a mask for him. <laughs> but that's your choice. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, I mean, it's one of those things too, where he's, he's so civil about it. He was like, look, even if you, yeah. he's like, if you don't want to wear it, he's like, I can meet you somewhere else. You just can't come to the house. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, I mean, how hard is it to be civil to each other? Yeah, <laughs> see, I'll say really this. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, where I live at is actually really funny because there's a lot of, like, the anti-mask, like the like the diehard anti-vaccine, anti-mask, all that. People. That then, you got, then you've got the opposite side. And and you'll they merge on a day-to-day basis. And it's really funny because you know, where I work at, we'll have people sitting next to each other. Like we'll have like an, a couple that's wearing masks and you'll have a couple that's not wearing masks and they're, they're getting along fine. Yep. Yeah. 
It's crazy. It's yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Well, you know, if you take the um, the teaminess, the the tribalism out of it, and it's just people. Like people are still just people. And I think that there's a lot more moderate, intelligent, respectful people in this country than there are people who are just bat crap crazy and are going to, you know, die for their flag, like whichever one it is, because they're on both sides. They're on all sides. They're in our party, too. I mean, you can't deny that. But <laughs> we tend to get painted more by those people, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I, I think. That. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think when you have an individual, they're super smart. Like you can have a one-on-one -on -one discussion with someone and they're intelligent. Right. When you put them in a group of people that agree with them, they stop being intelligent and they just want to be the loudest voice in the room and they don't give a shit what they say. Right. It's that group thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That mob mentality is awful. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I can have an intelligent conversation with somebody who disagrees with me vehemently on an issue like abortion or like gun rights, but you can always find one-on-one. -on -one, oh, almost always. Okay. Not always, almost always find common ground and something you can agree on to talk about like on abortion. Like we can agree that we want to reduce the number of abortions. Like we may disagree on whether or not it should be legal, but I don't think there's a whole lot of people that think that we should just be killing babies. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think we can find common ground. Um, it's a little bit harder on the two-way stuff because I'm kind of pretty far out there in terms of like no regulation and that kind of thing. But we can talk about trying to address what's behind violence and dealing with that. We don't have to make the gun the issue. We can make, you know, it's not the gun that's shooting up whatever, the school, the church, whatever, you know, people want to talk about. There's, there's something driving that. Just like there's somebody driving a car through a mob of people, there's somebody firing that gun. So one-on-one, -on -one, like you said, we can have conversation. Mobs yeah, we, uh, yeah, our region uh, here in Tennessee, we had a booth at a county fair and, you know, pretty much everything around us was either very religious because it is the Bible Belt, either very religious or um, like farming equipment. And, uh, like, the, the booth to the left of us was just an antique tractor on display, and then the booth to the right of us was a church prayer wall. I, I'm personally religious, but I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm actually, I've actually removed myself from organized religion because I see it a lot like government now. Right. <clears throat> but having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a pregnant woman and her husband about why abortion is, shouldn't be illegal, why we shouldn't ban it, and having that discussion in a religious booth surrounded by religious people it went amazingly well. They they agree that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe bans aren't the best way to do it, but there are solutions where we can reduce the number of people that have to have them. And they even kind of said, you know, there are situations where I understand it. Like there are people that really just would their their life would be completely destroyed by having the kid. And so you provide the solutions. You talk to them one on one. You don't just scream at them like, oh, so you fucking hate poor people. Yeah, <laughs> right. you have those civil discussions, and they, they, a lot of yeah. people will reciprocate the civility. I was at a um, uh, healthcare. So in in the twenty twenty campaign, we did these events where um, it was the change my mind thing, you know, with the placard in front of you, and it's got like some 
thing written on it to try to get people to stop and engage in the conversation. So it's a little bit edgy because you want them to stop and have a conversation. You know what I'm talking about? The memes yeah. that changed my mind memes with the guys sent me. Okay. So we did a bunch of those. So I did one with a democratic candidate and we were at a farmer's market just set up to do this thing. And I'm talking to this woman who was a libertarian about abortion. And she said something about Planned Parenthood, because, you know, that's like a hot button issue for people. And I usually will talk people away from that so we can talk about things that aren't like, ah, um, the Democrat comes running from across the booth and starts yelling in her face about how wrong she is and how she's been misled and, you know, all this false information she's been fed. And I'm just like, way to have civil discourse. Thank you. The, the the woman walks away and I turned to her and I said, you just lost me a vote. Thank you very much. Oh, she's going to vote for you. I'm like, no, she's not because she thinks I agree with you. And I don't. <laughs> oh, God, here. Oh, my God. So I just got sent a meme. I think I need to share it. Okay, go for it. Oh, change. You were just talking I, I about can't it. Read it. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Yeah, it's uh, politics have gotten weird. Uh, I remember, like, my favorite thing about the 2020 election was like, okay, who is Joe Biden yelling at this week? It was the the guy at the town hall. He called him a fat so and he wanted to do the push up contest. That was probably <laughs> the worst roast I've ever seen because I'm sure the guy gets called fat a lot. But uh, like, it, it, he's at least he threw in the like, let's do a push up contest. So. Eh, two out of ten, uh, and then there was the, the 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 auto auto plant worker that I don't work for you guy. Uh, yeah. It's I just I just I just still cannot believe that the variety and the quality of candidates that they had to choose from that they ended up with Joe Biden. Like I just cannot believe that that's who the Democrats ended up putting up. I'm like, how how did you get to Biden? Imagine being Tulsi Gabbard or Andrew Yang. Like, you you chose this fucking guy. (laughs) I know. Andrew Yang, who gets treated like a libertarian by the by the Democratic Party. You know, they put him like in the farthest corner of the stage or, you know, they don't that that other guy that's running. You know, Tulsi Gabbard got the same kind of treatment, you know, third party treatment by your own party. Yeah, I mean, it. It's funny because Democrats are screaming about, you know, rigged elections and election security. And then you, you see that Joe Biden beat out Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew Yang. You're like, mm. well, and then then he gets to pick like his running mate and he picks a freaking prosecutor. Like way to misread your base. Like, so I'm dying. I, I'm just with this garbage. Right. So. You know, because of recent because of recent events, I believe that she was picked for the color of her skin, and he totally like was blind to the fact that she was a prosecutor and all this you know stuff that doesn't play to his base at all. Except, except that she's you know got the right color skin for the position that you know he thinks that's what's going to do the job. The same thing with the Supreme Court nominee. Like, why? What? So. If so, pick an African American woman for the job 
if that's who you think is the best candidate, but don't freaking announce ahead of time, I'm picking a black woman. Because now that's all anybody freaking thinks that is the reason you picked her. It's not because she was the best candidate. It's like, thank you for painting me with an affirmative action brush, which I didn't need and is going to follow her, you know, for all her years on the Supreme Court. The women that they're talking about are eminently qualified. He could have just freaking, it still would have been historic if he said nothing about who he was going to nominate and he nominates an African-American woman. It's still historic. Nobody's going to be like, no, we didn't. <laughs> But he's got to say it first. I think uh, so. Here's how I, I imagine they. <laughs> this, I'm sorry. This is, how, this is how I imagine they pick people, right? So they they got a, a guess who board set up, you know, that where yeah. you you flip yeah, things down. Like, so they just they picked a, they picked a bunch of people, and then Joe Biden just names off a bunch of qualifiers that are in his at all. Oh, so it, so who who you think? Well, it's not a white man. Okay. Does he wear glasses? <laughs> Does she wear glasses? <laughs> Is he wearing a hat? <laughs> then that's, and that's how they come up with that. Because you know, why not why not use the same strategy to pick a Supreme Court nominee that you did with your vice president? I mean, her polling rates are uh, amazing, right? Like she's polling super high if like 13% super high. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just it just kills me that it undermines his nominee. I'm like, why would you do that to the person that you're going to nominate? It just makes no sense to me at all. But whatever. Like they, they don't they didn't ask my opinion. So you know. Oh gosh. Yeah it's yeah oh god unconstitutional awakening says something something racial jungle. Yeah, so there's this this is video going around. I wish I had it teed up. Uh, it's a it's a black guy, and it looks like it's in like a like a courtroom. Um, and he's talking about basically why the hell did black people support? You know, so he starts off with talking about how Ronald Reagan introduced crack into the neighborhoods, and they said, "Hey, Democrats, we need your help. What are you going to do about this? We need someone to help us with this." And so they started locking up all the drug dealers. Now all the crack, all the crackheads are left to run the neighborhoods. And so they said, Democrats help us again. And so the Democrats, I can't remember how he phrased it, whatever. But then he says, basically, we decided to burn down our neighborhoods. And so the, the moral of the story is, is these, the, the Democrats keep pushing this racial card and it's not benefiting them because the people they keep electing, like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, are the ones that helped either write the bills that's making their life worse or enforced it to its maximum potential, which is what Kamala Harris did in California. Right. So the thing that, that and I don't know, maybe it's generational because, you know, I don't, he's, he's elderly. Um, but I really, I really think that, he, that the president thinks that he is helping himself by making these statements. I, it, I don't, it, I don't see, I don't understand it at all because no one would know that he nominated an African-American woman unless he announced it ahead of time. Yeah. I mean, nobody would have gave a shit. I mean, Condoleezza Rice. It's driving me nuts. I'm sorry. I mean, I get it. Yeah. Like, like Condoleezza Rice, like she wasn't like the black woman in the, the, the Bush administration, right? 
she was she was something else because that's not what they called her. They didn't say, "Look, look at the token black woman we have in our administration. We're not racist." That's, well, and and that's they what Biden's doing. So Reagan did the same thing. I mean, he said, "I'm going to nominate a woman," and then he did. Well, thanks a lot. You could have just nominated her, and we all would have known that she was a woman. Like, you know, but no, he's got to say ahead of time, "I'm going to pick a woman." So I mean, both sides do it, and it, oh yeah. It's patronizing and it just plays into the whole argument that people make to dismiss women and to dismiss minorities by saying, you know, they got the job because they're a minority or because they're a woman or for whatever reason. And it's it's just stupid. Why would you set someone up for that? It makes no sense. Yeah, he's basically saying they would never make it there unless he picked them because they're a black woman, which that's which yeah. for a lot of people it's not true they they are very qualified you know there's a lot yeah. of people in minority groups that are highly qualified for a lot of different things um what and the, well, and the women they're talking about are all very qualified i mean none of them would have been questioned as a can you know as a candidate for office if you know if he had just nominated them we're supposed yeah. to not see race or making it all about race I mean, it's, it's so, it's like one thing I've talked about. It's how, how stupid all this like pro race stuff has gotten super racist. Like Washington state now has segregated dorms again. It's, it's a pendulum is just swinging and it's, it's maddening. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, well, is the Supreme Court just took up a ca- another case on affirmative action, right? In uh, college selection. Yeah, they said they that you can't determine. This is a while back; it's a couple months back. But they said you can't use race as an identifying factor to keep someone in or out of college. I was thinking that they had just taken up that they're going to hear arguments again, or did I miss the decision? It's entirely possible. I, I might be wrong. I've read a lot of Supreme Court crap recently too, so it, it could. And that, what I'm, what I might have been reading, what could have been, uh, was it, is it the UNC Chapel Hill one? There's a case. No, there's well that they may be tied together now because there's a case where um, Asian American students are suing had sued Harvard for discrimination. Yep. Um, so one of them was the Harvard case, but I think that they might be together. I don't know if the Supreme Court has ruled on it or not, but it's it, it'll be interesting to see what this court does um, when they if they haven't ruled yet, you know, when they rule, because it's, it's a different court than it was a few years ago. So I don't know. Yeah. I think California declared Asian Americans to just be white people because they're too successful. Like that's like, so if black people just start outperforming everyone else, are they now white too? Is that how this works? Uh, It's so stupid. Like Asian Americans have had a rough history in the United States as recent as like the forties when they were in internment camps. Well, no, specifically Japanese Americans. But let's be honest, it's the 40s. They're not really differentiating between Japanese and Chinese Americans. I will guarantee they said they look the same, throw them in the cage. Someone's going to soundbite that and kill me with it. With the Southern accent. With the Southern accent. Yep. (laughs) But yeah, it's just, I just, 
I fucking hate it. I want off this planet. It's it's broken. It's well, I see. I see a lot of programs um, that use race as a criteria, and the people that they're trying to help are usually people in a specific socioeconomic group or with a specific problem. And I often think to myself, couldn't we identify this group without making it about race? Because if it becomes about race, then it feeds into this whole split. It like makes people, it's more divisive and it gives people something more to argue about to argue against the program or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Even if it's like a private um, company or a private organization that's trying to do this, like trying to give grants to um, single mothers in low-income communities. But they have to say single African-American women in low-income communities. But I bet you that you could write the criteria for those grants so that it could apply to any race but it would target the people that you want to help. But it's got to be, it's, it's always, they're written in such a way and that now it becomes divisive. Not that I don't think that we need to help those communities or that, you know, we should be responsible for mistakes that we have made in our collective past here. But the way that we word things a lot of times makes things more and more divisive. And, and there's so much division in our society that I wish people would step back and think about how they can get to the same goal that they want to get to and, and maybe not be divisive. If you really think about it too, like racism is not a, I will, I will say this. Like, I don't know. Like I live in the deep South. Like I don't know a lot of races. Like I met like a legit racist one day and it shocked the hell out of me. I was like, what the fuck? And, uh, but feeding, <clears throat> basically creating like this, this, this mindset of like black people aren't able to make it on their own due to whatever, whatever. And, politicians are the worst at, at basically like, like the current crop of politicians we have are the worst at explaining it's not their fault. This system is rigged against them. They basically say, Oh, well, black people don't know how to find the DMV. So they, the elections are rigged basically is what they're saying. And that makes them sound stupid. I don't know of anybody who doesn't know where their DMV is. Like, even if you don't right. have a car, you probably have a license because you want to go to a bar or a club or hang out. Something will require an ID. And so they say shit like that. Or like Joe Biden said, black people don't know how to use the internet or something stupid, whatever the fuck it yeah. was, like a year ago. Yeah. And it's, you're, you're basically saying, like, you're, like, you do have people who are not intellectually, like, adept enough to say, He's just an idiot, and they'll think, "Oh, right," because that's that's the same thing that that plantation owners did back in the early days or back in the day was they would they would justify keeping black people in, in bondage because they would say, "Oh, black people are inferior because of whatever," and they would have like these diagrams where their brains were small. None of it was true, right? But you justified it by saying they were stupid, and you're now saying that they're not smart enough to get, know where the fucking DMV is, that everyone knows where it's at. Right. And, and it's different to say they don't have a way to get there. They don't have, you know, they don't have the means to pay for it. And it's not just African-Americans. It's like poor people, people who, okay, people who don't have an address. 
So this was a thing when I was campaigning in 2020. I was in Williamsport. I met some people who didn't have an address, aka homeless people. They're like, okay, how am I supposed to register to vote? I don't have an address. I'm like, I don't know, but I can help you find out. <laughs> I'm like, beats me. I don't know how you, how you do anything when you don't have an address. You know what I mean? Like there are, that's what I'm talking about. So it's not about the color of your skin. It's more about your circumstance. And there may be historical reasons why you're in that circumstance, but it's still, it's the circumstance. There was a, a local person here in the early days of the pandemic when we weren't supposed to go anywhere, you know, you're not supposed to step outside your house and all this stuff. She thought that the poor people in our community were the problem because they kept going out to Walmart didn't they know that they could just order their groceries online and have them delivered to their house? Well, first of all, they don't have a way to get online. <laughs> you know, like, okay, let's start where we are. Because some people just have no, like, they can't see outside of their own experience. So, like, they can't understand how it could be possible for someone to not be able to, to just do it. What? I don't get it. Yeah. I live in a community. We don't have we don't have cell service. I mean, you know, if I go to the end of my driveway, I've got no cell service because I have a signal extension at my house, but yeah, to drive a half an it's, hour to get cell service. So. Yeah. I mean, it, <clears throat> I think that's to me, the race issue isn't the big problem in the United States. It's the income issue. Like, I don't think, I don't think Will Smith struggles with, you know, inequality in his life because he he's famous he's wealthy no one gives a shit right like like he's he's treated like everyone else but when you're I'm sure poor, that he, he may have experienced it i'm sure he's well, experienced yes. it <laughs> but go ahead but when he, not when he was rich yeah. so that's that's the big thing i always talk to people about because if you if if you go into rural areas and you look at poor white communities there's a lot of the same issues you, you see that overly aggressive police force that go in guns blazing because they're saying, oh, well, we they're probably meth heads, so we have to do something now. And they get aggressive with it. Um, and it is it is unfortunate because the same people that they target with that are the same ones that can't afford these nice lawyers, and no one's going to come to their, their defense. And the state understands that because that's why they do it. You're not seeing these raids, like these massive raids <clears throat> on like you know people like Hunter Biden, whose parents were immensely rich, and have the money to throw behind a good lawyer. We know that there's tons of people out there that are wealthy that are doing really illegal things, but it's harder to go after them because of the money. So what do they do? They go after the poor people who are smoking meth or smoking crack or doing whatever, like like the 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 stuff that yeah, maybe they might be doing some other stuff along with it, but is it worth blowing up their house because of that? Right. No? Yeah. And I mean yeah, there's generational poverty in our communities for sure. And, you know, people that work, <laughs> people that work in children's youth, people that work in my kind of job where you're going into people's homes, um, I'm sure people that work in law enforcement, I mean, you know who these families are and you have experience with people over generations. And so you, I'm sure, have, like you said, that expectation, this is going to be trouble because this is a family that that's just the way it's been. 
disproportionately, I mean, the, the disproportionate representation in that lower socioeconomic group for people of color. It's just, it's true. And whether that's because of historical factors, that generational cycle, that generational poverty, but it's not, somebody said, I have a friend who said, um, I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps. Have you ever tried to do that? Like, all you can do is hop. <laughs> it's just, like, it's just like, grab your bootstraps and try to pull yourself up. Good luck. That's <laughs> pretty funny. But, you know, then that takes us full circle back around, right? Libertarian, volunteerism, love thy neighbor, help each other. Like, we're we're here to help each other, to help our neighbors. To be of, of depends on what you believe. Not everybody believes it. To be of service to each other, not to look to the government for a program to solve our problems. But if we're better neighbors to each other, we can help our neighbors to not have to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, but give them a hand to help them get up. Yeah, and that's that's a big issue too. Like in certain parts of where I live out here. There's tons of people, you know, white people that just live primarily on government programs because it's easy for them. They can just do it and then they make these side hustles under the table that no one knows about. And they they make pretty good fucking money doing it and never work a good like an actual job in their life. And it's and I also I'll share this story. And I was talking to some people on Clubhouse back when I was still kind of using it. Um it was it was late night. I was fairly drunk, and I stumbled into a room. I think it was titled. Uh, it, basically, I was the only white person in the room. I, I can't remember what it was titled. And they, it, by, I was listening. I was like just hanging out. I think I was like playing Xbox or something. And the guy said, "So you seen this room out of all the rooms on Clubhouse?" And you thought, "I'll go into this room." I said, "Yeah, why not?" He says, "Okay, whatever." And then they started talking about the blackness scale. Like the, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Like they, they started talking about like your, your blackness or whatever. And I, I asked, I said, so I said, I'm, I'm a six, six dude. I'm 260 pounds. I'm a big dude. Like if I walk into a room, you notice me. I said, every time I've been pulled over outside of like, if I've not been like, cause that, like the last time I got pulled over, the guy seen my dog tags in the mirror and just let me go outside of that. Every time I get stopped, it's at least two cruisers that show up. Before they even talk to me about why they've pulled me over. I said, now on the flip side, so I drive like a, a, a 99 shit box Ford. I'm a big dude. I'm obviously not rolling in it because it's an old 200,000 mile truck. But I said, you know, they do all that. I said, on the flip side, you've got, let's say, you know, some prominent rapper or someone else, they may not know who they are, but they're rolling around in a, you know, million dollar car. I said, do you think the treatment's the same? And they said, probably not. And I said, do you think it's because I'm white or because of the money thing? And we had this whole discussion where they were like, race is a factor. I'm not going to say that it's not. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, the number one driving factor is always your financial status because it's easier to abuse the shit out of poor people. And it's, it's bad to say, but it is. Right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that rapper might get pulled over because he's black and driving a nice car. That Could is be. a possibility. <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, I have a friend out in it. So I went to, I got my master's degree at the University of Minnesota and we lived in a part of Wisconsin that thinks it's in Minnesota. Like it's called the Indian Dots Out. But anyway, I have a friend out there who's, who still lives out there and uh, he's Ojibwe and he got pulled over. He, well, he didn't get pulled over. He was parked on the side of the road <laughs> talking on his phone. But he says he got pulled over because he was not driving while he was Indian. But I mean, it's a thing. People get pulled over because, you know, the color of his ski gets pulled over because he's native. It happens. Happens around reservations a lot. But, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, racism I, is a thing. Yeah. Definitely. No, I, I totally yeah. understand. Like, I get, like, they, they do target people. But like I said, at the end of the day, I, if it's a poor black person versus a, a rich black person, if the I think it's hard to say that. Right. Yes. Yeah. Now well, it may be they pull both of them over, but the rich black guy is more than likely walking. The, the other thing is, does the officer know that race is a factor? Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of times the, we we do things in our lives that are just the way that we do things, and that it may be we may be reacting to someone based on the color of their skin and not even know it like because of our life experiences or because of our training or whatever and i think a lot of times now especially racism is not overt like it's it's based on experience and i think a lot of times people aren't aware that what they're doing is coming is is racist do you know what i mean does that make sense you're talking about the the uh, uh, unconscious bias the yeah like bias. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was talking to another friend of mine and we were like, well, I said to him, you have to give me grace in a conversation to screw up. Like, okay, I'm a human being and I may say something that offends you. And if I do, would you tell me? And I'll tell you if you say something that, you know, but a lot of times people are just like ready to go and ready to fight and not give each other a chance to say, oh, you know, I didn't even realize that when I say it that way you know, that it comes across to you that way. Cause I'm not standing in your shoes. I got my own shoes to stand in. Yeah. And I, I know that the, the, the unconscious bias exists. I will never argue against that because it exists with everyone. There's no right. one group of people that it does. You, you know, anyone who knows anything about psychology knows within the first five seconds of meeting someone, your, your assumptions of them already exist, whether you're conscious right. of it or not. Like when I go to the gas station, if I see, it doesn't matter if it's a white dude or a black dude. If I see someone, you know, with the the like the the ill-fitting pants and the big baggy shirt, and they're kind of they're being suspect looking, I'm like, I, I, I don't have a lot of nice stuff in my truck, but there are guns. I'm locking that fucking door. Uh, it's yeah. there's 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 people like I'm like, mm, no, and I hit that little remote. But uh, yeah, I mean it's. It, it's. I think it's one of those things where instead of trying to change people, because it's it's going to happen no matter what. You you. There's yeah. no program or enough education in schools. You're going to change how people perceive other people. Right. It's 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 more about as we talked about earlier in this is the the being civil towards others. Like if you respond in a hostile manner to someone saying something that you perceive as racist, you're just going to reinforce what they were saying. Right. If you're like. Hey man, you know that that, that sounds a little, little little fucked up, you know, and then explain to him what. Right. And you're missing an opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, to have that conversation. That uncomfortable conversation. 
It's like my my old man. First time he's ever bought a gun that I know of was during the the riots uh, in twenty twenty. And I said, "See how that's a little fucked up, don't you?" Like, like I, I'm 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 advocating like that people buy guns for every situation. But he's right. like, "Oh, there's a bunch of black people riding. I should probably go buy a gun." It's like, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> Well, Mr. Well, we Williger, I, gamut, man. <laughs> oh yeah, we we hit it all. Like they don't even need to check out your website. They just need to go to uh, Liz Twilliger for Congress dot org slash donate. They don't even need to read it. They just need to donate now. Yeah, and and you can you know you can buy a beer on the virtual. Just kidding. <laughs> go back around. <laughs> uh, buy a bluestone, even if you're not coming. You know, it's all good. <laughs> if you want Liz Twilliger to watch you drink a beer. Uh, go buy a ticket for that. She won't drink one, but she'll watch you drink it. <laughs> I can try to find like a creepy face to make while they're drinking their beer. Make you really uncomfortable when you're drinking your beer. There you go. Uh, that will be a meme now. I fucked up. I did a series of um, mental health forums. Like we were talking about uh, mental health in the rural community and stuff. And it was part virtual, part in person. So I've got this great big dry erase board that I'm standing next to. Yeah, it was blank. I got lots of great pictures of me standing next to a blank dry erase board with a look on my face. Like, great. Talk about meme fodder. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's dangerous. Like, what was it? Tuesday night, I had said that politicians can suck my ass, my whole ass. I get off the show, and my inbox for Facebook is exploding with memes. So I was telling you about the perspectives on Freedom Event in September. So Spike and Tasha were there. And so we haven't plugged um, Tom Queter at all. He he was uh, at the event, too. And I don't know. He's got people that do these crazy memes for his campaign. And I don't know if you've seen the one with Spike sitting on his lap. Yeah, so we recreated that picture at the event. It was, they were such good sports about it. We went outside and Spike sat on his The whole, yeah, it's great. Yeah, he, uh, I, I actually, it was a Tunica, Mississippi event um, where Cajun and all of them were there. And he had made the joke, he says, maybe I should just get a picture of us with you holding me like a little baby. And I got so I got another picture with Spike and Tasha, like the twentieth one I have, whatever the crap it is at this point. And, and I looked at him, and I was drunk enough. I said, "Do you really want me to hold you?" Tasha snatches the phone out of my hand and says, "Get in his arms." And he looks at me like, "Oh shit!" And so I've got this picture of me holding him in my arms, and he's doing the the the, the slob oh, pose. Yeah. And so I, I think it's about that time that they started cropping. They cropped him out of my arms onto to Queter's lap. So that's where that right. picture came from. Yeah. And and then in Oklahoma, uh, for the Natalie Bruno campaign, when they flew us out there for that, uh, they recreated the photo in reverse. So it's Will. Like I said, I'm a big dude. So it took Will, Spike Cohen, Natalie Bruno, and Nick O'Day to hold me. And you can tell that Will's holding most of the weight because Natalie's hands, you can, she's like, she's like hovering below me. And she's like, I'm not holding him. And, uh, 
and it, it was this has become a thing and I'm worried yep. like, like I go to the gym but you can only hold so many people in a day before it gets a little weird I'll have to send you the picture from uh, perspectives or have you seen it did Tom send it to you I'll have to find it yeah I what can send say? it to you it's on the perspective page on Facebook I actually won I think the first round of queeter uh meme things because uh, I got the bumper sticker to prove it it says when New York right. and it's got Tom Queter with the infinity gauntlet in- infinity gauntlet yeah My. <laughs> yeah let's see it says fine I'll do it myself whatever but yeah it's a it's been a thing great all right we've worn out our welcome yeah, I think it's about that time. I've uh, I've I've ate up enough of your life tonight, but uh, I do appreciate you coming on. It's all good, man. I appreciate it. It's been a it lot of fun conversation. We'll see how <laughs> if there's negative repercussions. I'm used to <laughs> it. It's all good. Yeah, there's there's pictures of me in a dress floating around. There's pictures of Cajun <laughs> in a in a crawfish suit. There's this show has been it's been a wild ride. Are you going to be out in Reno for the? national convention quite possibly um there's been talks of people trying to get me to be a delegate for national and uh i've said if i do end up getting nominated and elected by some like i don't know people in the state party hit themselves on the head uh i'd probably go all right if you're out there we'll be tabling out there so i'll see you nice (laughs) Be nice to meet you in person. Oh yeah, just just look up, just look for the the, the Chrome Dome walking around There's above everyone else. Yeah, the tall uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mister Willigar, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, you're you've been an awesome guest, and uh, you know, follow her on Twitter. She's what Liz Force C. Liz T for the number four in Congress on Twitter. Yeah. I have no Twitter followers, so you should totally follow me on Twitter. That's where I say what I really think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I actually followed you today. But um yeah, it, follow her on Twitter, get her get her numbers up there. Uh follow her. She's got the Liz Twilliger for Congress Facebook page. Follow her there. Um, yeah, I'm more I'm most active on Facebook, but yeah. I have a um Substack. You can sign up for my Substack. Yeah, it's upset. I'm like, which one? <laughs> Sorry. Anything else? Anywhere else people can find you that they can donate to? The main one is right there, what you've got on the screen. So, yep. If you're also in the, the PA area or if she's got any openings for remote positions, uh, something that is also worth its weight in gold is good volunteers who are willing to put in the work. Absolutely. We can always, always use volunteers. And we're looking for volunteers for um, some social media support. So you can do that from anywhere. So if somebody wants to volunteer and help us out with some social media stuff, that'd be great. Nice. Well, Mr. Wilger, give yourself a great night. You too. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been another night. It's been a long night. 
Um, about an hour and almost 50 minutes now. Yeah, it was a great episode. I, I enjoyed it. She's uh she's an awesome guest. Um, yeah. Oh, I didn't get to tell her she's not a real libertarian. That's right. I'll I'll text. I'll put it on Twitter. I'll tag her. Um, let's see. But yeah, go to redemptiontactical.com. Use our link there. Go to notarealpodcast.com. After this episode ends, I upload this footage to the website directly, not through YouTube, because YouTube has been targeting us here recently. Um. We got the the Faraday defense bags. We got the merch. Uh, We're still working on migrating from our current merch store to the new one with Proud Libertarian. Dude is awesome. He does a lot of great work. Uh, Yeah. What else we got here? LP Veterans Caucus, Talier for KY.com. All that stuff. Let's see. I don't think we ever got to any anchor calling moments. I don't know if we had any. Ah, whatever. That'll be for another time. Let's see. Who we got next week? I think I know. Christine Womack. Next week. Next Thursday. I forget who that is. But the week after that, we've got uh, not a real Tony DeRazio. And then, because Tony DeRazio is running for chair. And then we've got Angela McCardle the week after that. And then, that following Thursday after Angela McCardle, which will be March 10th. Oh, yeah. Uh, this upcoming Wednesday, we, uh, Jennifer Marie Kaiser, myself, um, Braxton and uh, Will will be doing an episode on Not A Real Veterans podcast. Oh, that's right. Christine Womack for LPPA chair. That is, thank you, Ryan. Yes, that's that's who that was. I forgot. Look, no offense to anyone, but I go through a lot of names doing this stuff, scheduling, and uh, it's just, unless I know them personally, I forget who they are. It's just, it's a, it's a bad thing. Uh, my memory is trash. But yeah, on Wednesday... Uh, we're doing a veterans episode, the the four of us. Yeah. And then uh, March 10th, I'll be doing a gun panel. Um, and a lot of booze. Yes, there will be a lot of booze on Wednesday. But yeah, March 10th will be the gun panel. I currently have one, maybe two people scheduled for that panel. I'm excited. It's going to be great. Um, hopefully, it's going to be really interesting. I'm going to try and have a way set up to where people can jump on and ask questions. And I want to expand this out beyond the LP because a lot of the people in the LP understand they're, they're either like into guns or they don't really care, but they don't want to restrict your right to own guns. I want to extend this out to people who don't know much about guns but would like to know more, whether it's politically affiliated or not. Um, so that will be a great episode. That's one I'm excited about, but I would love to have a couple more guests on to help run that panel and just, just talk about guns, gun legislation, gun laws, 
just firearms in general, how to use them, how to clean them, how to maintain them, what your favorite gun is, all that crap. And I, I'm that's probably going to be a long episode. Uh, I'm going ahead, going to go ahead and say it's probably going to be about a three hour long episode. But it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a great episode. And uh, yeah. Give me 15 and be lighting up. There you go. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, appreciate y'all hanging out with us tonight. It's been fun. So uh, let's see. Where's that video? All right. Get your free crack pipe from uh, the Build Crack Better program. And uh, you're not a real libertarian. Peace.